Wow, that was beautiful. I feel like just go home. (laughs) In the spring of 2014, the two most important women in my life, my wife Pat and my daughter Claire, approached me, which was with much uh, a discernment as a suggestion. They urged me to go on a week-long contemplative retreat at the Oregon Extension in Southern Oregon. Trusting that they knew something that I didn't know, I said yes. Little did I know that this was the beginning of a transformation that I'm only beginning to understand and live into. I had thought that I was moving into the next chapter as our anticipated retirement. Instead, it was the beginning of a brand new journey, a U-turn. Raised in a Dutch Calvinist subculture, the first chapter of my life was one of systematic theology, the Heidelberg Catechism, the Canons of Dort, we didn't like the Anabaptists, and of course, Calvin's Institutes. Right religion for the first years of my life was mostly right theology. Skipping ahead, Pat and I, along with our son Peter, moved to Seattle in 1984. By 1987, Claire had joined our family, and we were regular attendees at Seattle Mennonite Church. Still a Calvinist at heart, I embraced my new two-part religion, right religion as right theology and right religion as right living. In a minute, I'll talk about what Seattle Mennonite Church has meant to me over the years, but first, back to 2014 and the contemplative retreat that became the beginning of a new journey. And here comes the hard part. Transformational change for me has been gradual and ongoing. It's not something that lends itself easily to words or description. It does, however, lend itself to story, metaphor, and change perspective. I'll begin by saying that I've learned to have an internal life. Contemplative exercise have given me the tools to explore motions and parts I didn't know I had. New books gave me stories of people who have traveled the second journey before. New relationships challenged me to go deeper. In the end, I have begun to discover what Thomas Merton has called the true self, stripped of false religion and previous conceptions of self. And of course, when this happens, everything changes. So what's changed? And here, it's, I must, and it's here that I must turn to paradox. Paradox, by definition, requires that we hold things in tension, that we hold opposites to be true. For me, it means that while theology and belief matter, it also doesn't matter. While right living is extremely important, it's not a ticket to heaven. While Jesus may have conquered sin and death, it's a suffering and crucified Jesus who is strong in weakness, who accompanies me when I'm hurting. While I've experienced an avalanche of sacred moments where God's presence is very real, I've never felt so abandoned at times. While God is good and powerful, it often seems that there's very little God can do about evil. It's real. While Jesus spoke to truth, so did a lot of other mystics that I learned from, Buddha, Muhammad, Martin Luther King Jr., just to name a few. That while identity politics are important and need to be named and critically examined, I'm a privileged Protestant, white, he, him, male that still has a lot of internal work to do. These are also false identities that I need to let go if I'm to discover my true self. 
While personal responsibility is important, and this may be the most important paradox, everything is a gift. Everything must be let go. I'm constantly having to revise my self-narrative within the context of privilege, always a humbling experience. I could go on, my longer version did, but I won't. <laughs> I scared Megan this morning and said I had originally written about seven pages, so it's down to less than two. <laughs> but you get the idea. All of life's big questions of love, death, suffering, and infinity exist in paradox. And paradox is mostly okay. Perhaps okay comes with age. Circling back, a few, a few thoughts about what Seattle Mennonite Church has and continues to mean to me. Most important, it's a place where I experience God's love. Every week, we come together bringing our joys and our sorrows. We rejoice together, we pray together, and we are healed together as we experience forgiveness. For me, and here I echo Richard Rohr, spiritual growth most often comes out of suffering. Loss, disappointment, failed dreams, broken relationships, fear. It is in the context of community that wounds become sacred wounds. I'm going to end with just a few words of thanksgiving. Thank you to the artists, including the quilt makers and those who gift us with music. There's a special place in heaven for you, but then you already know that. You've been there. Thank you to everyone who participates in the life of the church, the Sunday school teachers, the child care providers, the community outreach volunteers, those who serve on council and other committees. You are a witness to the divine within you. Thank you to the pastors for walking beside me, for providing boundaries, for holding me accountable, for providing opportunities to serve and grow. And I might add, the sermons are really good. <laughs> Thank you, church, for the gift of ritual especially communion, which transcends time and place, providing a thin spot, a mystical moment where we're all invited to glimpse eternity. And finally, thank you for just showing up every week. For me, it's everything. A witness to our shared faith, hope, and love for each other. Praise be to God. <laughs>